Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad, here with my co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Hello, hello. Hello, Haley. Happy New Year. I know people are hearing this probably like later into January, but it's New <laughs> Year for us. And I have to say yeah. it to someone because I need it to be a happy Yeah, it's last year was M- like everybody wild. does. Yes. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think people are are ready for change. <laughs> but I guess we yes, were ready for change in we. 2021 as well. But oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're ready for some change here on the show as well. We're doing like a light, happy episode today, which I'm really looking forward to. We've covered some some heavy, dark stuff with uh-huh. some of our recent episodes. So I am really excited to be covering just something fun. And that yeah. is The Simpsons. Yeah, this is the first full episodes of The Simpsons that I've ever seen. No, that can't be true. It's so true. I truly oh have never seen anything. <laughs> well, okay, so then we're going to have to, a lot of this episode is just me going to be like cluing you into inside jokes. Well, we'll see. Oh, if there's inside jokes, I certainly missed them all. okay no problem well in that case shout out to my dad because he watched this episode and then told me all the sort of mental health stuff that was in it because i had not watched the show regularly Uh in in many many years but definitely love the show in general so i was happy to be able to jump back in hey oh mr ryan's dad nicely done (laughs) yes yes before we do all that though let's let's do a little uh new year's talk you know obviously as therapists we deal with people wanting to make large-scale changes about mm-hmm. their lives all the time but i imagine that you know maybe we've got thoughts about new year's resolutions and sort of how and whether or not people make effective change sort of spontaneously because the calendar changes over do you have any uh-huh. you know strong feelings about new year's resolutions do i have thoughts i don't think i've ever answered like no i don't think i have any thoughts about that <laughs> no it's fine it's it is <laughs> yeah i definitely have thoughts about it i think new year's resolutions are fun but they're so stupid <laughs> and the reason why is because if the only reason you're deciding to enact change is because of an arbitrary rule right like oh it's a new year like there's nothing valuable about that. It's just this like arbitrary concept. You're not going to stick to those because of that value. If you're making resolutions that are important to you and it just happens to be at the new year, then I'm all for them. In the same way that like it could be any other day that ends in Y at the the rest of the year. Mm, sure. And that's kind of the like how I feel about them is like if you need something like a birthday or a new year or something like that to kind of be the thing that makes you check in with yourself about what are some valuable changes I want to make in my life, then I'm all for it. But if you're like, oh, I have to make these changes because it's the new year, there's not enough value in that because it's way too arbitrary. 
But again, I started by saying I think they're really fun. So I will tell you that right now, two of my, I have four resolutions that I set today. So four changes that I want to make in my life. One of them is to read every day because I have always been a bookworm, but over the last few years, I've totally moved to podcasts and away from books, and that totally Mm. bums me out. Although, keep listening to this podcast, everyone, and don't read books instead of us. Um, So I want to read every day. And then I also want to get back into writing because I, I always wrote in some fashion growing up, and I certainly have not done that in a very long time. So I want to get back into that. Yeah, I have a lot of journals that were started on one, one, Uh whatever year. Uh Uh-huh. You know, for the same reason. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I should get back to writing. I should get back Uh to just sort of checking in with myself, recording thoughts. One year I did, like, start writing a book. And Uh I got, I mean, that's probably one of the most change or most accomplishments that have come from New Year's resolution is I have thousands of words of something that I started writing. I haven't done anything with it, but it exists. Yeah. I have so many half-started novels. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, So what are your resolutions? Well, so I try not to make specific goals like I'm going to write a book or I'm going to do this. It's more Mm -hmm. like habits. I like to start habits on fresh years and oftentimes fresh birthdays as well. It's not. Uh And and, and look, everything you said, everything you said, I uh, agree with and know that it's not enough value. And yet every time I find myself getting so excited for New Year's Eve or for like the night before my birthday, it's like, okay, here's what's going to be different this time or this year or this age or whatever, Uh this decade. And just sort of imagining the possibilities. Yeah. Just tie some value to that's magic. That's all you need. Yeah, totally. You're totally right. And and for me, it often ends up being like daydreaming about winning the lottery. It's like, oh, Uh, man, if only I bought a ticket, you know, did 100 (laughs) pushups every year. Just imagine, just imagine how different things would be if that happened. And so, so this year, so I've tried, you know, you talk to any therapist and they'll always say, you know, make the goals smaller and more achievable and smarter, all that stuff. And that I've, I've tried to follow that advice this year. So my, my goals are much smaller. So I'll give you an example instead of like a journal or, or sort of like free form. I have like an ideas journal and it's Uh no pressure. It's just come up with an idea every day. You don't have to do anything with it. But just spend some time thinking about an Stuff. idea. It could be an idea for the podcast. It could be an idea for stand-up, which I'm apparently doing now. Yeah. It can be an idea for other creative pursuits, for stuff I want to do with my daughter, whatever. But it's just sort right. of that that creative space, creative time. And I'm three for three so far. So I'm hoping that that continues. Awesome. Do you have a specific time when you do it? Or is it like when the the muse strikes, you like jot it down in a note. So I try to do the sort of thinking and just sort of like opening myself up to thoughts while I'm walking my dog in the morning. Okay. And then sort of record it at some point during the day. Okay. That's been the process so far. So that I love. I, a few years ago, I think this year was my third year doing every Sunday. I write one minimum good thing that happened the week before on a piece of paper and then I put it in a jar and then on the first day of every year 
I open the jar and I read all the things because then you minimum have 52 good things that happened that year. And I truly thought that I wouldn't stick to it. And I stick to it. It's again, like I'm nice. in, I'm into year four now. And what you, the way you just described your, just quickly jot down something uh, thoughtful or creative every day feels very similar to that. And so I totally feel like it's doable. Yeah. So I think if we're giving advice, it's, you know, don't put so much pressure on it, but do yeah. make it something that creates value for you. So yeah. it's not a pressure thing, an obligation thing. It's a thing that you look forward to or a thing that sort of excites you and then creates that value. So yeah. yeah, so hopefully we will continue to do that. And who knows, maybe we will keep updating you all on all of my weird ideas because surely they will show up in the podcast at some point. Have you had a good one on the one of the last three days? Yeah, I've got great ideas, but I mean, it's like, should I save them and then like people are surprised when they show up in our okay. TikTok account or Excellent. when or on our Patreon? Like right. I, I'm, you know, you're right. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, happy new year. Happy new year. Yes. So thank you all for coming along on this journey into 2022 with us. And uh, we're gonna take a quick break. And then we come back with The Simpsons. Hey everyone, Ryan here. No ad this week, but a quick request. We would love to know where you follow us. So if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds while you're listening to today's episode, reach out to us on your social media of choice. Say hi, say what's up, request an episode topic. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the episode. Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media. And because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners. We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound. So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode. The Simpsons is an American animated sitcom. Do I really have to do what The Simpsons is. You know, I asked myself that question, but then I realized, Haley, you said that you've only just now watched this, so I guess I should do the whole thing. Everybody knows what The Simpsons is, so I'm sure you can just describe the episode. All right, so uh, we are talking about the episode Mothers <laughs> and Other Strangers from the 33rd season of The Simpsons, which aired November 28th of 2021. So obviously there have been hundreds. I think this is the 715th episode overall oh, of no The way. Simpsons. But we're just focusing on this one little 28-minute section of it. And the reason that we're doing that is because it really plays around with some serious mental health topics, which was so exciting for me. The whole thing is just therapy. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I love it. I'm so excited to get into it. So, so big picture here, it's Mother's Day, which obviously was not in November. <laughs> Simpsons typically very topical about what's happening in the, in the calendar, but a lot of their seasons were sort of screwed up by COVID, as was everything um. else. So we got a Mother's Day episode right around Thanksgiving. <laughs> so it's Mother's Day and the kids are giving, you know, Marge their Mother's Day gifts. And then Homer gives his gift to Marge for Mother's Day, but then is immediately sort of overcome by grief mm. from the sort of distant, if not completely sort of abandoned relationship with his own mother, Mona mm. Right. So before we go into all of that, though, we have to talk about some of the just fun little things that The Simpsons does 
in sort of setting up the plot for the episode. And the first thing that I have to to bring up, because I don't know if Simpsons knows that this is a real thing or just sort of created their own joke, but dog TV is the first gag and it's a channel for Santa's little helper, the Simpsons dog. Uh-huh. But but Haley, dog TV is a real thing. I was going to ask that. Is it really a real thing? It's 100% a real thing. And you'd want to know why I know that? Yes. <laughs> because in the weeks after we got a puppy, I absolutely <laughs> paid for a, a <laughs> week or two of dog TV to see if it was legit. <laughs> is it? Bart I mean, it's a real so. thing. It didn't <laughs> help. <laughs> it didn't help. My so dog funny. didn't watch the TV. Uh, it didn't help her sleep. We still had to put her in my closet four feet from the head of my bed so she would sleep <laughs> through the night. But, you know, and it's super weird because they, they make some of the episodes much like the gag in The Simpsons uh-huh. uh, from the perspective of a dog. Yeah. So you're like walking through a park from the perspective of a dog. And it's weird vision because I guess dogs have weird vision i don't know it's bizarre but it's <laughs> real so i was cracking up because it's, i felt bad for myself that i was i was the bart i guess i was like yeah let's watch dog tv together dog oh, that's so funny i loved on dog tv it said for mature audiences three years and older <laughs> that's right <laughs> and, so and the only thing that that was a good gag but is not really part of dog tv which was fox news which i thought was oh another hilarious reference gosh i laughed so much yeah. when i saw that that was so yes, good yes. <laughs> but so all, everything else i was like yeah that was on real dog tv oh yeah food falls off the table yeah that was on real oh dog gosh. tv so i was like oh man is this an example of the simpsons predicting the future or just sort of nailing something that maybe they don't know actually exists but anyway hilarious and Very i had to, to talk about it before we jump into this because i just yeah. loved it so much so anyway so homer starts to have this sort of emotional breakdown you say and that so casually the, yeah, you know, as he's wont to do. I, <laughs> That's mean, true. Uh, well, I mean, Homer I... Simpson is a very emotional character. You know, he's abandoned by his mother. <laughs> yeah, well, well, right, but most often seen in his anger. I mean, it's okay. it's you know, we could we could kind of deal with the seriousness of this or not, but like his most famous thing is choking his son Bart uh, around uh-huh. the neck, and it's like a gag. Yeah. Like when Bart hits him later on in the episode, he goes, that's right. Express your emotions the way that I taught you. Yes, right. Yeah, so oddly enough, you know, as Homer is sort of remembering his mother, and I I love the way they did this visually because the sort of, he has this sort of, I guess, visual memory of his mom and they're going down a like a water slide Mm -hmm. and it's literally sort of fading away. And I mean, this felt very much to me like, I mean, is it fair to say PTSD flashbacks to memories that maybe have happy origins, but are now kind of painted by this abandonment narrative that he has? Yeah, I don't know that I... Is that too far? I don't want to overanalyze, but I think that's what we're going to be doing. (laughs) Yeah, I think what's hard is that this is always the answer. You would have to know more because also... Sure, that's fine. That's a great representation, too, of simply grieving, right? Mm -hmm. Remembering the loss of somebody and having a memory of it, right? So a quote unquote flashback to it and, and it getting fuzzier, but it also, although it was happy being tinted with loss, 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so Homer's remembering, you know, this abandonment that he experienced Mm -hmm. and Lisa encourages him to go into therapy, of course, um, which is apparently something that he's done before. And I I have, Uh I haven't looked through the, the Simpsons archive, but I do believe he's been in therapy once or twice their therapy bills suggested well exactly right (laughs) yeah marge goes through the bills and it says marge therapy homer therapy kids therapy cat therapy (laughs) so that was great spent too much on therapy therapy and then uh, the last page was marge diet her diagnosis was overwhelming anxiety recommend divorce (laughs) oh no which, you know, you should just kind of page through that. It's fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> but then Homer's like, okay, well, sure, I'll try this this weird therapy app, which uh-huh. is appropriately for Simpsons called Nuts. <laughs> and, you know, as a practitioner of telehealth, mm-hmm. I thought it would be appropriate for us to address some of the characterizations the Simpsons made of telehealth. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of visual gags, a lot of procedural gags. And even though they're played for laughs, I do think that these are a lot of both valid concerns and criticisms of telehealth as it currently exists now. So Mm -hmm. could we maybe go through a couple of them? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, awesome. So right off the bat... Imagine if I said no. Imagine if you're like, should we go through these? And I was yeah, like, no. no okay, let's, cool. Let's All move right. on. So we'll just skip, we'll skip over it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Homer is prompted <laughs> to select his diagnosis, right? Which sets up this great visual gag of them listing all of the diagnoses that he can pick from. So we have schizophrenia, trichotillomania, which for people who don't know is a real diagnosis, is for people who respond to anxiety by pulling out hair or mm-hmm. picking at skin, things like that. Very real, very serious diagnosis. Yeah. BPD, another very real and serious diagnosis, depression. Then we have agoraphobia. Remind me. Agoraphobia is like open spaces, public spaces. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like woman in the window. Go back and listen to that episode. Yes. There you go. (laughs) Then, of course, the next one is just mad about you, which I guess would be their shorthand for anger management. Or relationship therapy. Oh, that's true. That's true. It could be relationship therapy. Then we have Lizdomania. That made me laugh so much. So, and and why did it make you laugh, Haley? Because it's an album title. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what is that album title based upon? I don't know. What, okay, so here's our first opportunity for, for me to tell you uh, the visual gag from Simpsons, which, yes, Liz to Mania is an album title from Phoenix, a great album, oh, by the way. Oh, such a good album. But Liz to Mania is, is a real thing. It's oh! Liz to Mania or, or Liz to Fever was the intense fan frenzy directed toward Hungarian composer Franz Liszt during his performances back in the 1800s. So Listomania is Bieber fever? Exactly right, for, for Franz Liszt for the 1840s. Yeah, yeah, characterized by intense levels of hysteria demonstrated by fans, That's akin incredible. to the treatment of celebrity musicians today. Oh yeah, yeah. Beatlemania. So Listomania, very real. <laughs> and then, of course, separation anxiety, which is what Homer selects, oh, although I guess it's just because it's like the most appropriate for him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's what we would actually diagnose him as. <laughs> no. Right. So but and I guess this is what's sort of interesting about this uh-huh. sort of mini scene, which is you don't pick your own diagnosis. Well, and also representative of I don't like the word manualized because that means something different but like 
kind of pigeonholed therapy, right? Like you have to pick one of these seven things. Humans are far more complex than that. And so like if it's our service treats these seven things, which one of them are you? You have to pick the closest one. And so for Homer, separation anxiety is the closest one, even though it's not truly his experience. Right. And, you know, so it is true that these apps, which obviously analogs do exist in our real life Mm -hmm. world, they will absolutely ask you sort of screening questions to sort of identify why you're seeking therapy, but no one will ask you to sort of self-report or self-diagnose. That is the job of your therapist or psychologist or psychiatrist. Yeah. I was speaking more like metaphorically. Yeah. Oh, totally. But I think it's it's an important question because I think the sort of idea of getting a diagnosis is something that's very loaded for people. Yeah. So even in joking form, the idea of like, please select your diagnosis is like, oh, my God, that's overwhelming. Like the idea of having to be able to report kind of what's wrong with you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, isn't that your job to tell me what's wrong with me? Right. So then the list goes on. So even past separation anxiety, there's quadrophenia. Another album title. What is Quadrophenia? Another album title. Yeah, The Who. The Who's rock opera. (laughs) Apparently, it is also sort of a, almost like a medieval word for what we now call schizophrenia. Oh. That's sort of all I could find about Quadrophenia, other than it being an album by The Who. Yes. And then the last one, Fear of a Black Cat, which is just sort of like a nice little... You know, way to tie that up. But of course... They have a black cat, don't yeah, they? Yeah, but Fear of a Black Cat has has a great name. Oh, I don't think I know it, though. It's Mavragatophobia. <laughs> Mav- Mavragatophobia. Nope, I'm not going to be able to say it. Um, Mavrogatophobia is the, is the closest I'm going to come. But yeah, it's mainly caused by seeing a black cat and assuming that it means you're going to experience bad luck. Yeah. So... Lots of fun diagnoses in there. It's so funny. I have two black office cats and I frequently think about like, imagine if one day they show up and one of my patients is completely freaked out. So it's usually one of my disclaimers in the first session of like, by the way, have two office cats. Let me know if it's an issue. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess like how much other coloring can a cat have before it's no longer considered black? Like my cat is mostly black black but if you Mm -hmm. talk to a vet they would describe her as tortoise shell so it's the same kind of thing like okay so what what point does does bad luck become something we have to be concerned about it's a great question i guess depends on how witchy the (laughs) owner is great great point (laughs) (laughs) so homer selects his diagnosis and then we are graced with the inner workings of the nuts app and we see this uh really worn inner office building looking situation and i guess it's set up and i'm i i can't think of the movie it's where it, it what the abc always be closing is from oh that's gonna bug me um glenn gary glenn ross yes yes with alec baldwin yeah i just looked up as we're talking because okay i haven't seen you it you know <laughs> Yeah, so it's famous for his, like, sales speech or whatever, right? So in the Nuts app office, ABC stands for Always Be Consoling, which I thought was funny. And, you know, hopefully, I don't think that's all we do as therapists, but (laughs) did sort of play into kind of how this app worked. Because immediately we hear the sort of boss of Nuts, you know, (laughs) offering Homer up as a new patient, 
to all of the therapists who are sitting in the office. And he says, if you get him to cry, you get a turn in the cash tornado. Dude, that'd be nice. Well, (laughs) but therein lies the problem, which is as much as we both acknowledge that we would love a turn in the cash tornado, a current criticism of these apps in the yeah. in the context of which they exist in our world is that they are let's say motivated by money mm-hmm. and underpaying therapists and all these sorts of things mm-hmm. or overcharging uh, uh members which homer certainly experienced to a certain degree so while that is a, a funny joke i think it is a very serious concern that people have sort of about the developing industry let's say yeah i think there's a couple instances in this episode about kind of the commercialization of therapy Mm -hmm. through therapy apps in this case. I not only think that patients are concerned about what it means and what it represents, but I also think that a lot of therapists are concerned about what it means because a lot of those apps are businesses that are actually separate from the therapists. And oftentimes like what does that mean for like the crossover of where those two things meet? Yeah, totally. Because there obviously is sort of competing uh, interests and motivations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, non-therapeutic businesses. I want to clarify that. Yeah. Because right, like yeah, oh, absolutely. Like a practice, mm-hmm. like a private practice, is also a business, obviously, but it's a therapeutic business. It's like very specifically aimed at therapy as opposed to being a business that just happens to have therapy. Yeah. And and the Simpsons sort of, I don't know, intentionally or not directly raises some of the issues with telehealth, teletherapy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, Homer is sitting on his couch in his oh, living room, gosh. having this initial with session with a therapist and his whole while his whole there. family sits oh, around. I know. Oh gosh. That I had such a like I was like ah that's the part that made me the most uncomfortable mm-hmm. they made fun of therapy left and right and I was like eh, well that's fair but that moment I was like no 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 I'm so uncomfortable yeah and the Simpsons as a family are notoriously enmeshed um, oh, no. as we might say in the therapy world um, it's a family that sort of lives on top of one another they have no privacy but even so it would be nice as they acknowledge Homer's sort of emotional moment to say hey you know we'll, we'll give you some privacy we'll uh go have his conversation in the other room yeah because I think and, and this is a very real thing in in telehealth that Yes, it's great to be able to do a session from your home, but that also means that you are home where other people, uh-huh. conflicts or animals or whatever other things that might be going at home yeah. are for you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, certainly I've hard. experienced with people that I've worked with, you know, oh, I need to do today's session from the car or mm-hmm. I'm holed up in the bathroom. And it's, you know, these would not be issues if if people were able to come into the office. So you know, that's, that's yeah. a valid one. And it's yeah. hard, hard to defend. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> I agree. I don't think, yeah. you know, I don't think there's any way to add or argue it because it's true. Like that is one of the hard things about telehealth. If you have a space that's tough to do it in. Yeah. And then I think it acknowledges the sort of space of the therapist too, right? Cause this first guy that he sees is wearing a headset and is, at least his background would suggest, like in a tropical forest. <laughs> and obviously we know, and Homer would presume, I would, we would presume also knows that that's person is not actually in that space. And I, I don't know how you feel about this. And I know we've talked about our spaces before, uh-huh. but I don't use a headset 
because I have sort of soundproofing and things to make sure. Because I feel like, mm-hmm. do you want to talk to someone who looks like a radio DJ? I just feel like it's something about the headset takes the intimacy out of it for me. And I know we're still looking at screens, but uh-huh. I don't know. Something about that kind of gets in the way for me. Interesting. So the scene that my patients see is essentially exactly what they would see if they were in an office. I sit on a couch. Yeah. I don't have a microphone or a headset of any kind, but when my patients have headphones in, I don't notice that. Like it's, it's not something Mm. that I know. I certainly don't, I don't tell anyone that they can't. Um, I think it's just for me, for my own. Yeah. 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 But I was thinking like, if I don't notice it on them, I wonder if they would notice it Mm. on me. And I do put effort into presenting a therapy office. My space very much looks like a therapy office because of this exact thing that we're talking about, right? Like creating yeah. not a jungle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the virtual background is, is a whole other thing, you know, so I think you and I are on the same page with that. Uh, it's, yeah. it's easier the more it feels like a place where you would come to talk to someone about these very personal, sensitive topics. So, yeah. so that's that. That being said, sometimes I wear sweats. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, I guess, well, so, right. I guess it's like what you see versus what you yes. don't see yeah. or what, what the comfort uh-huh. is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's okay. It's just funny. I put but all I, this and, like, and, I totally make it look like what you would see if you were in an office. And then some days I wear sweats. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, and I guess that's some of the other things that sort of take it out of therapy for me. Like as Homer, as they're asking Homer questions, he's for some reason typing in the answers. I was so thrown off by that too. It's very confusing. I don't know why Homer couldn't just say it happened 30 years ago or instead of putting in this sad face emoji, I'll just tell you like I'm having a very difficult time right now. Maybe that was just part of the more of the visual gag they wanted to play around with it. Well, so the vibe that I got from it was that he wasn't on camera. That Homer was not on camera. Yeah. Yeah. Which that would be so off-putting. Right. Because then for the therapist, it's just like a phone session. Yeah, but, but you're camera. being watched. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I certainly if a if a patient was absolutely not comfortable being on screen, then I would just say, okay, we'll both be off screen or totally. we'll be off, off screen for this session or whatever. Yeah. We'd find a way to kind of get to that comfort place. But no, absolutely. But yeah, it's it's really it's really something. Yeah. And you kind of see that Homer has some of those same like, oh, this is weird. Or is this, you really want me to just kind of start talking about it? And and he does. And then we kind of get into the story. We find out about sort of the uh, original wound, as it were, for when Homer was abandoned and then lied to about mm-hmm. it, which sort of obviously compounds the the loss for him. Yeah, I'm sure that that's probably happened. Like someone's parent oh, has absolutely. left and the other oh parent has been like, they're dead. Well, as a parent, and certainly and I know you and I have probably worked with parents in, in different ways. It is a, gosh, a crazy position to be in. Oh, yeah. Of I have to decide whether or not my child can handle the reality of what just happened. Mm-hmm. So either I'm deciding they can handle it and I am potentially exposing them to information that's going to be traumatic, mm-hmm. or I'm going to lie about it and hope that doesn't come back to bite me. Yeah. 
That's a big hope. It's, I mean, yeah, but I think well, and and but you and I probably also both know that d- does it ever not come back to to bite? Does it does it ever not come back in one way or another? I guess we wouldn't know because that person died with that secret. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I'm a firm believer in that. Like, the truth comes to light more often than it doesn't. But I also think being really thoughtful about how you give bad news to children is really important. If you're like, yeah, she left and she doesn't care about you, that's one thing, as opposed to she loves you a lot and, and she couldn't stay because mm-hmm. she it does seem like she loves him. Oh, yeah. 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 And and it's sort of revealed as they kind of go through this story that Abe Simpson, Homer's dad, realizes in a, in a moment of emotional self-awareness that he didn't tell Homer because... Because stuff. Mona didn't love him or he felt like uh-huh. Mona, you know, betrayed him. Uh-huh. So, you know, we can at least to a certain extent understand why he made that decision. But we also see the very much long term impact of that decision on mm-hmm. Homer. Yeah. I love how he was like, she's dead. And he's like, that'll hold him over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh-huh. I mean, and it's a, it's funny, but I think as parents like don't you kind of desperately hope that that's true like this little white lie uh-huh. you know and and parents tell all sorts of little white lies to kind of paper over i can't deal with this emotional weight right now so mm-hmm. here's the truth that i think you can handle mm-hmm. yeah it's a tough yeah Parenting it's, it's hard man <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and and to that point i mean we're obviously we're talking about therapy as well like i've been in situations where a parent's like okay this has happened mm-hmm. kid doesn't know about it i i want to tell them with you or i want them to find out while they're in therapy so they, mm-hmm. they kind of have this emotional support or they're learning coping skills so that when i'm i'm ready or when we are ready to kind of break the news to them it's sort of a controlled situation which yeah. I'm not saying is the right or wrong way to do that, but I think it's it's also a decision that people have to come to on their own. Yeah. There's no right or wrong answer. Uh well, right. So that's a great answers. point. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. there well, and I think Homer runs into some of those wrong answers. Uh-huh. He kind of tells the story of different people that he went to to cope with this grief, right? Uh-huh. And they do the little montage of like, he went to his guidance counselor. The guidance counselor asked him if he ever thought about joining the army, which for the decade or time Uh frame in which they're representing Homer asking a guidance counselor that, I can Uh 100% see that having been true. Oh, yeah. My hope is that is not what a guidance counselor would do today. (laughs) Yeah, I... But I, I do know that guidance counselors are often in that position, right, where they're maybe out of their depth or need to refer to the school therapist or what have you. Yeah. Well, and hopefully, right, like that, simply knowing that is better than be like, how about the army, kiddo? It is, yes. hey, like, this is super hard. Here's a number for a therapist or here's the office for the therapist down the hall. Yeah, that's even knowing your limits is and and finding support is just as beneficial as being able to solve the problem yourself. Yeah. Because you can't. No. Right. And 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 you know, like you said, kind of going to anyone and and they also show Homer going to I think Ed. I always forget the It Simpsons, was Reverend uh, Good Joy or something like that. Love yes, Joy. Yes. That's right. I think it is. I think it is Love Joy. Reverend Love Joy. Yes. Yeah, so he also kind of seeks the Reverend's counsel. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and and certainly there are benefits to seeking out spiritual support as well. And he goes, "Have you tried another religion?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and look, it's sad that Homer was at least through this montage like continuously oh, abandoned and not having his emotions actually attended to. But I think there, this is the sto- overall story that they're telling of this is a child who just needed. I mean, needed his mom, but like needed anyone to listen to what he was going through. Yeah. And and they they do the montage with they they show him like later in the in the episode he's at school and he's getting hit by all the dodgeballs and yeah and there were there were a couple other sort of examples of that too and it's like that sort of narrative that people form about themselves is mm-hmm. partly influenced by these outside events, but yeah. it's also something that we take on as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like if if you get abandoned repeatedly by the people that you think will guide you mm-hmm. that can be really damaging yeah yeah so we see homer and and then at this point abe kind of go on this road trip with a lot of little random moments before you you jump into that the right before oh, yeah, he please. leaves when he picks up the yes the i never got to give her the trophy and it says number one mom um, and homer says oh who knows where she ranks now I <laughs> laughed so hard for so long at that line that I actually had to pause it because it was so funny. And I was just like, The Simpsons is perfect. It's just written so beautifully. There's nothing wrong with this at all. But that was so funny. And then they they go on their journey. But I just felt like we had to address that because that joke. Well, no, I, totally. Me. That was a great that was a great one. And as well as um, another background gag. When Abe is sort of recognizing the impact that he's had by uh-huh. by lying to Homer in the background, you know, again, Simpson's kind of nailing just sort of like these secret little jokes of the names of, of the articles and all the magazines that he had on the shelf. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just annual how to parent issue motor trend magazine. Like, uh-huh. Of course. And it's what to expect when you're not expecting anything. <laughs> yes. How to yell at kids so they will listen. <laughs> <laughs> so funny yeah and and you know you can see that obviously that was in many ways continues to be abe simpson's parenting style yeah (laughs) yeah and and it's you we see this connection that they're sort of forming i mean abe asks him as they're driving looking for mona are you right-handed or left-handed do you you like like books or tv Yeah, and that's like feels like a very classic therapy happens in the car, car uh, rides yeah, kind of thing. I don't know uh-huh. if you subscribe to that belief, but I, I certainly I do. I tell my teenagers' parents all the time, if you need to mm-hmm. have a conversation with your child, have it with them in the car. I, I, yep. tell, I say that to them all the time because then your kid does not have to look at you. They can look out the window. And also, they're there. <laughs> like, you guys are together. I think it's a, a great place to have conversations. And what I really like about these books on the shelf and even the questions he's asking, right? Like the, what do you like? What are you about? Yes, it's funny because they're silly magazines and like silly questions. But also it's like really representative of a really meaningful parent. Even through this grief of his wife leaving and not being very good at being a dad, he's got books about how to parent. Like he's trying. 
And when given the opportunity, he wants to learn about his kid. And then he's like, oh, that's nice. I didn't know that about you. And I think that's pretty cool. Well, yeah. And he acknowledges in the in this sort of conversation to the random waitress in the diner uh-huh. that when you get to know him, he does have a, a sort of apple pie filling, uh-huh. right? He does have this sort of sweet side to him. And I think when he lets down his sort of rough exterior mm-hmm. and and connects with Homer is when we see some of the best, most realistic father-son, yeah. like a, a good example of a father-son relationship that you can see. Yeah. At least on this show. <laughs> I completely agree. And also even that, by the way, that whole relationship with the waitress, like that was very funny. But also even in that moment, like he is offered like this, this like meaningful, fun, cute relationship. And he's like... It would be great, but I've got my kid and I got to, you know, take care of him. And that's, you know, kind of a sweet moment too. Right now, my kid's my priority, even though this sounds great. And we would, you'd notice how sweet and lovely I am inside. That was a really cool moment too. Yeah. uh, Things that Simpsons are great at, just sort of having random characters pop in Uh and kind of completely change the tone or or value of a scene Uh you know you've got 700 episodes to catch up on (laughs) i'm really glad you didn't make me watch them all (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you know the 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 sort of uh plot of the episode is getting to this sort of crescendo they sort of i guess they technically do find uh homer's mom in a gas station rest stop sort of situation. Uh-huh. And of course the FBI finds them at the same time because it was all set up and she kind of slips through Homer's fingers. And all the while Homer is telling the story to what ends up being uh, a second therapist because of course for two ninety nine they upgraded to the more quality therapist <laughs> along the way. And I, that's just a good joke. I don't, I can't even rebut that. I mean, If I had to, I mean, like it is a common criticism of some of these sort of telehealth uh, groups that either there are not enough therapists available or not enough therapists sort of in the specialty that people might be looking for. So the idea that you would have to pay more to get kind of a better outcome Mm -hmm. is unfortunately not so far fetched. But, you know, know, what I can say is, you know, much like finding a therapist in person, you do sometimes have to, I hate to say shop around, but like find the right fit for you. Yeah, totally. So if you have to pay $2.99 for the upgrade and then that gets you a, a more empathetic listener, you know, yeah. it's sort of worth yeah. it sometimes. You know, get your <laughs> needs met both financially and emotionally, right. but don't, if if someone's emotionally damaging, like that's not worth saving money so it's like this this fine balance of like find the support that you need but also like sometimes finances are hard oh totally yeah and some right so to the to that end sometimes you kind of do the best with what's available to you i think unfortunately people are just in that situation sometimes but yeah i love the sort of contrast of the the first therapist to the second because the first one was the one where he was like sending emojis and probably wasn't on camera and then he talks to the the second one who it looks like she's in a real office uh, at least one with books in it (laughs) and and she has some really like classic therapist lines Uh uh-huh which I know you appreciated. I certainly did as well. Uh-huh. The one that I think we both noted was as he's telling the story, he sort of apologizes to her and, and acknowledges yeah. that he kind of got away from what they were talking about. Sorry for digressing. And she says, Never be afraid to digress. Some of the best insights come that way. Boom, baby. Perfect line. I mean, and and 
uh, have you, I mean, that, and it's just so true. Yeah, I was I mean, going to say nothing, nothing truer has ever been spoken. Yeah. Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love when patients come in and they're like, I don't really have anything yep. to talk about this week. And then like, inevitably those weeks are often like, 40 minutes super later. Meaningful. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, oftentimes, especially in a first or second session, I'll have people, oh my God, did I talk too much? You know, did I, did I, did I digress? Did I, you know, get into too much of that story? My sort of go-to line is like, you needed to do that, number one. (laughs) But also number two is like, this is our job is to kind of take in everything that you're giving us and to help you kind of take those next steps and working through it. So if it comes through a digression, great. If it comes through organized question and answering, like that's also fine. There's not a right or wrong way for you to tell your story. Yeah, I agree. Great. I love a a good digression. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so we have that really good line. And then, you know, with this sort of, you know, self-awareness that Homer is developing with this therapist, she says something to the effect of, you know, because he, he kind of brings a story full circle up to, you know, and all these kind of terrible abandonment things happen. But then I met Marge and, you know, she's kind of gives him the classic line of like, and you know that she'll always be there and that she'll never abandon you, Hmm. which is, which is so not first session work, but Hey, Homer is very excited to hear it Mm -hmm. and wipes away the tear and then is ready to delete the app. (laughs) That's so funny. And so funny because one of the first things at the beginning was like recommending divorce. Yes, right, of course. <laughs> and then as he's, you know, saying, what a great therapist, delete app, she, uh-huh. you know, kind of panics because her boss, I guess, was listening over her shoulder. And he says, I warned you about solving people's problems. Man, that one, that was like a real stick in my craw because she says, I couldn't stretch it out, <laughs> which oh, no. is, I mean, I think is a fear that people have about therapists that if you go in that we just want to keep you forever for some reason Uh and then you know her boss fires her because she couldn't stretch it out what a what a terrible suggestion yeah but I, i know you don't like we don't do that yeah yeah what i have often said to patients is our goal is to have you terminate like our goal is to no longer work with you and not of a like get you out the door kind of a way, but like we want to get you to a place where you feel you don't need us anymore. That's the whole point. And I often say to people like, what's so sad is that you end up saying goodbye to people who you're doing really good work with. So like as a therapist saying goodbye is exactly what we want. And it also kind of sucks because it's like we've done such good work and now you're ready to go little birdie. And but like you're doing good work and it's really fun. I'd really love if you could stay, but there's no point for you to stay because you're ready to go. And I think that that's really like really funny is if somebody was kind of at a place where they didn't need me, I bring it up. I say like, I feel like you're doing okay. How are you feeling about therapy? What benefit are you still getting from it? Do you want to go down to every other week rather than every week? Mm-hmm. kind of where you're at. And like, if somebody's like, Hey, I think I'm doing good. And I, I want to take a break. I say, awesome. I will probably still be here. Let's take a session to terminate and see where you are and what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. And then let's figure it out. Yeah. So there's no stretching it out. <laughs> no. And I understand the sort of 
criticism is again like from this sort of malicious business sense like once we have someone paying for our services we got to keep them you know keep them paying mm -hmm. but as far as we the therapists are concerned that is not our goal so we do what we can to and, and even i try to put myself in like the homer's therapist shoes if he said like oh what a great therapist delete app uh -huh. you know we had that sort of moment to to have that last conversation mm -hmm. you know i might say something like i'm thrilled that you felt like this one session was so helpful sometimes <laughs> therapy can be like that where you can feel like oh my god i i understand this now i don't need to come for any more help mm -hmm. because i get it like i get why i do this or i get why i'm i have these problems and I hope that that was enough. And if you feel that was enough, obviously we'll support you. I'm not, I can't force you into another session, nor would I want to. But if and when this problem resurfaces, and it might, we're here. Yeah. Come back anytime. Yeah. Because the work that you did does not have to start over from the beginning. It's now it's sort of a new step that you've reached and you can keep coming back to it if you feel like you need to. And I think that's validating and that's so powerful and important for people to know that we want them to get to that point mm -hmm. where we can have that really nice goodbye conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. for us as therapists. The goal is that you don't need us, which is kind of ironically like parenting. <laughs> Yes. I'd much rather have that conversation than have people disappear and sort of like wonder why they didn't want to see me again, mm -hmm. <laughs> which yeah. obviously happens to therapists and doctors and, and like any profession, you know, people just sometimes just stop coming. Yeah. But we would much rather say like, hey, if you feel like you don't need to come, like, let's have that conversation yeah. and then have you move on and move forward like that. That's a much like it's better for everybody. I feel like yeah, I don't want absolutely. to be selfish about it. But yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, they, they said, sort of tie that episode up really, really neatly. You know, Homer shares the last anecdote of, oh, this brings up one more memory where when Bart was born, then it's the first night, and then a sort of mysterious pediatrician comes in. It's actually Homer's mother in disguise, mm -hmm. and she holds Bart for a second and meets him and says hello to Homer and then says she has to run. And then I think that's, I don't know if it's then or right before then, where the app says, like, you've now experienced closure, or you now have closure. <laughs> you now have closure. <laughs> no longer a valid psychological construct. <laughs> Which That's I think right. I've gotten on a soapbox about that in a previous totally. episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's that's the idea of like, okay, now I need to know everything I need to know, or like now I've yeah. I've had that aha moment. Put and a bow on it. Unfortunately, it's it's not that simple. Yeah. yeah. Life's not like that. No, well, life is not a Simpsons episode. As as funny and light and enjoyable as it is, you know, I do think it's a great vehicle for talking about mental health issues. Oh yeah. Because it opens the door in ways that I think are more accessible for people. But, you know, I think we also acknowledge that it's like, it's not the whole story. Yeah, it's definitely not. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that it was, I mean, it's it's The Simpsons. It's a really smart way to have a real discussion. Mm-hmm. While still being really funny and silly. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I wish we could talk about funny and silly things every week. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll try to. I mean, I think that's that's sort of a goal is, you know, we, we want to be able to have fun with this and, and talk about visual gags and all that kind of stuff. And it's 
you know, something that we'll we'll keep looking for those things. If if people have funny, easy things that they'd like us to cover, by all means, uh, shoot us a, an email or a message on social media and suggest them. We'd love to hear them. Yeah. So Ryan, on a scale from one to five of Bart's Mother's Day mugs. Oh, yeah. How realistic did you feel this portrayed mental health? So let's see. I will... I feel like it's separate things that I have to rate because I actually think the portrayal of like abandonment and mental health narrative that people can form about themselves Mm -hmm. was actually really well represented. Like here's the original thing that happened. Here are all the subsequent things that happened. Mm -hmm. Here's why Homer feels this way about himself or his dad or his mom. Like I, I really loved all of the way that that was handled. So I might give that like a like a four, a four point mm-hmm. five in terms of accuracy. Mm-hmm. And if people can't tell, I have some thoughts about the way that they represented uh, telehealth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of therapists have had to do telehealth over the past almost two years now, and I'm certainly amongst that that group. And I've, in many ways, grown quite fond of it. So when I see yeah. criticisms, even in jest, you know, I want to make sure that people know that while a lot of those criticisms have a lot of validity that there are still real therapists trying to offer real helpful uh, support, you know, in this way and to not kind of turn themselves off to it just because of some of these uh, sort of generalizations. So the representation of telehealth, I would give like a one, I mean, some of it's on the nose, but I, it's not, this is not what it's like. I promise. That's So, for you, Haley, uh, this is the first episode somehow that you've ever watched of The Simpsons. So on a scale of one to five episodes of Muttflix, <laughs> how entertaining did you find your first episode of The Simpsons? Five Game of Bones. A full five. It was it was fantastic. I like I love satire, and I think it spoke about mental health and these apps and teletherapy and family relationships in like a very smart sassy way and i give it a five no question it was fantastic good well i'm glad to have had uh, an opportunity for you to find another show with hundreds of episodes you can watch yeah i almost certainly will not watch <laughs> another one <laughs> Okay. Well, but, we'll we'll see. Maybe my dad will suggest another one, and we can we can jump back in somewhere else. Excellent. Because apparently the Simpsons have been in therapy other Before. times, so yeah. maybe there's some some other stuff for us to cover. Dude, if Lisa, the daughter's Lisa, yeah. right? Yeah. If Lisa, yeah. Doesn't well, there's be- two daughters, Lisa and Maggie. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Maggie. Oh Maggie. If Lisa does not become a therapist, I will be shocked. Hmm. Well, if you had watched uh, enough seasons of The Simpsons, you would know that Lisa actually becomes president someday. So she is oh, destined for greater things. Too. Yeah. 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 So, so, but I agree with you. You know, she's, her empathy is, is on point. So, and she's so smart. We can hope for, for maybe, yeah. 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 So yeah, so that was a a fun episode. I hope you all enjoyed us covering something a little bit lighter. Um, If you have other things you would like to suggest, please let us know. Yeah. Follow us at PopPsych101 on the socials and join our Patreon. We're going to be dropping some bonus stuff, behind the scenes kind of stuff, and we'd love to have you there. Thanks and bye. (laughs) Bye.